Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yeah, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I am Dan Myler. With me this week is my guy, Matt Price. We are without uh, our other guy, Ryan McDowell, this week. Still, uh, still nursing that New Year's hangover, maybe, Matt? Is that what's up with Ryan? <laughs> I don't know, man. We really can't get the three of us together the last couple of weeks uh, with all the holidays and scheduling. I think you guys, though, uh, I'm going to be nicer to Ryan today. You guys were kind of mean to me last week. It was it was really not my fault that I was not here last week. But uh, you guys um, made it seem like I, I didn't want to be here. Nice I definitely week. wanted to be here. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. And Ryan does, too, this week. But uh, we'll have <laughs> to do the duo mission once again. Uh, this week, episode 601 of the show, we're talking lost seasons for players we thought we could count on coming into the year and turned out we couldn't even click their names towards the mid to end part of the season. Um, we're also kicking off the rookie report, Matt. That's going to be fun. We'll do that segment every week moving forward. Going to try to get to 40, maybe even 50 rookies before the NFL draft. So lots to get to in the coming months. But first, we got to hit this startup. The startup. We didn't even get to talk about it in the open there, Matt. The football was pretty good uh, on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I, first of all, I love the way they stacked the schedule in the NFL for Week 18 with the, I think it was six early games in the early window on Sunday. And then I think it was seven in the late afternoon window. So red zone was awesome. They were jumping around from game to game. And I know there were some games that that didn't have much to play for. And we were seeing lots of backup quarterbacks. Not that that's new for any of us, but or backups in general, but still the, the action was awesome. Not that crap where there's only three games in the late afternoon window. I hate it when they do that. Yeah. And through like the, the three Christmas day games on Monday nights, the, 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 the two Monday night football games, we had some rough scheduling, uh, but this yeah. weekend was perfect for a red zone. I mean, with all of the unsettled playoff positioning, all that kind of stuff, it's like the ideal thing to watch where it's bouncing back in between the games where, where the things matter, you know? So it was a really fun couple of days. Before we get to the main part of the startup here, I did, I found it really interesting how some NFL coaches protected players by keeping them off the field and others maybe to their detriment said, Nope, we're playing our guys. Now Sam Laporta's down for the playoffs. Uh, it's a damn shame. You know, honestly, they weren't really playing for anything. Uh, and it's sad to see one of those guys that, that we all as dynasty players are building around have this injury. Now we don't get to watch him in the postseason. What a drag. Such a drag. And I mean, even more drag for the Lions. I mean, he's been what was he? He caught his 10th touchdown of the season today. Yeah. So he's been he's been one of the most productive players in that offense, especially the passing out offense outside of uh, the sun god. So, uh, you know, I, I had high hopes for the Lions in the playoffs, but this feels like a bigger hit than it might be. And I haven't heard any details yet, Dan, if you have. Uh, let us know. Um, but if this is like a serious knee injury, that's going to cost him part of next season. Oof, that's a uh, that's that's very disappointing. It sounded from early reports, and we're recording on Sunday, pre-Sunday night football, so maybe something else will come out before you even hear this out there. 
Uh, it sounded like it was going to cost him some time, but he avoided a very serious or catastrophic injury. So there is, I guess, some silver lining for dynasty players, but Lions fans have to be shaking their head. Sure, they got the win. I know they were playing technically for the two seed, had Dallas and Philadelphia both lost, uh, but it just didn't go that way, and it didn't seem really that necessary. Let's get to the the actual startup here. And that came on Saturday, Matt. I, I hope you got to see the game on Saturday night. The Colts Texans game was thrilling. Ended it was. with everybody on the end of the edge of their seats, but ended with this guy on the bench. That's Jonathan Taylor, 30 carries, 188 yards and a touchdown caught both of his uh, targets as well. He was the RB three on the week pending Sunday night football. The guy was dynamic on Saturday night looked like JT of old. They, the Colts were strapped to his back and he was carrying the team, keeping him in the game at one point. That was a pseudo playoff game. And when it came down to it, the Colts were given the big fellow the ball. He went out of the game temporarily at one point, but 30 carries, that's that's Derrick Henry type stuff, Matt. And if we, if we ever get to the point where Taylor's getting this kind of usage semi-regularly, Seeing him back towards the top of dynasty um, wish lists in startups would not be that surprising. No, and uh, I mean it's just it's just mind numbing. The whole drama at the beginning of the season and, and the off season before the season started about his holdout, and then they finally paid him, and they paid him the money that he wanted, and then to not use him on the final play of the game when he's the only one working for your offense wins the season on the line, like. Gosh, it's just frustrating. Um, from a dynasty perspective, like I don't, or a fantasy perspective, I don't think we're going to get, you know, even really see him average more than 20 carries a game once Anthony Richardson is healthy. We have to co incorporate that into our projections for yeah. next season. But, you know, he's, he finished out the season strong. He's looked very good at different points of the season. He missed, did miss seven games this season. So, um, you know, it, the, the, the counting stats and the year counting stats aren't going to look good. I think he's running back 37 entering. Uh, this week, I don't have the updated list on that, but you know he's probably going to finish in that in that running back three range on the season, which considering he missed seven games is it's pretty good. You know, mostly double digit points every start. He had one four point four point uh, four point four point um, uh, kind of dud earlier in the season. Uh, yeah, that was that first game. That first game Dynasty back. Yeah, remember they barely used him. I think he only had yeah. like ten snaps in the game, and then they Zach ramped Moss him up. And, you know, towards the middle of the season before, what was it? A thumb injury. I think he had in week 12 against the Buccaneers. He was, he was rolling for a stretch there. Three uh, RB one finishes finished as the RB seven in week seven against Cleveland's tough defense. RB seven, once again, against Carolina, that's a nice defense as well. And then that week that he went out against Tampa Bay, another tough defense, 15 for 91 and a couple of touchdowns. RB9 that week, didn't even play the whole game. Missed another stretch because of the thumb. And then 18, 21, and 30 carries down the stretch. Corda scored a touchdown or three touchdowns in those last three games and actually uh, was targeted uh, once or twice in each game as well. So, you know, when I think about Taylor, and he's going to turn 25 here in like a couple of weeks. So he's going into his age 25 season. When you weigh him against the other top running backs talking Jameer Gibbs, Bijan Robinson, uh, Brees Hall and Christian McCaffrey. I think once you get through those first, what did I say? Five guys there, four guys. Um, 
then once you get to ETN, Devin HN, uh, you got to get Jonathan Taylor in here close to right around RB5 with this kind of usage. I know you, you mentioned Richardson and him returning next year, and I completely agree. We didn't get to see that, though, this year. We don't, Richardson yeah. might open up running lanes for Taylor. That could be a good thing. And if that's the case, and Taylor could see those 20 touches a game, to see him finish another season as a top three art running back in fantasy wouldn't be that surprising. He might be a bargain when you're when he's listed as RB8 in our most recent ADP. I actually have him right there at running back eight in my current rankings. And, you know, we're going to okay. get into this running back class. Uh, and, and oftentimes we got to look at these guys at the top of our positional rankings, especially and say, are there any rookies that are going to bump these guys? And, and, and so far from my limited watching, I don't think so. I think running back eight feels pretty safe for Taylor. If you can buy at that price, I don't mind buying at that price. I think that anywhere in that, anywhere after running back seven or eight, I think is, is going to be a kind of a bargain price for him this off season. So he might be looking uh, as someone that we're going to want to target this off season. I think wait till we get deeper, wait till we get to rookie drafts kind of season, a couple of months at least, but he might be somebody worth targeting uh, as we get, get into the rookie fever season. I'm, I'm fine with having those four big names ahead of him: Gibbs, Hall, McCaffrey, and Bijan. After that, I got Taylor at five, and I, I'd rather have him over Etn, who's also 24 years old right now. I want him over Achan, who's banged up all the time. I still want him over Kyron Williams, um, because you, really, honestly, it's because of the unknown with the Rams. I believe they're going to roll with Kyron Williams, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Then you get into Kenneth Walker and Rashad White and Saquon Barkley. I want Taylor over all those guys. Maybe it's my my Badger genes uh, bleeding through here, but I was pretty impressed with him after he returned to the Colts. And then the injury slowed him down, but his stretch here to the end of the season, especially on Saturday night, really reminded dynasty players that there's an elite player in that backfield and he should be getting those touches. Hopefully he does early in 2024. Cash, stash, or future trash. Yeah, we're going, we're getting rid of the future in this one. We're going cash, stash, or trash, Matt. And we need to talk about players that had a lost season in 2023. If that, when, when you, when you hear that term, Man, it was a lost season for blank. What name jumps off to you? Man, that guy, he he really let everybody down in fantasy. Uh, uh, right at the top, Dan, it's it's Damian Pierce, a guy that both of us yeah. liked uh, entering this season. You know, he we thought he might build on the strong uh, rookie campaign. Uh, they brought in Devil Devin Singletary, which I completely completely written wrote off. I'm sure a lot of people did that too because he wasn't that successful as a Bill, and he was going to a much worse offense with a younger back who was more explosive in pretty much every phase of the game. But Singletary was the reliable one. It didn't work out for Pierce. Uh, uh, so we're gonna have we have a big decision with him coming up. Is he just dead for next season? Like this is a good this is a good Texans offense now that that they've made the playoffs. Uh, you know, now they're in they're not necessarily quite in the position where they can start taking luxury picks, but if they want to start adding final pieces of the puzzle, 
Uh, running back could be one of them in this year's class. Now, we're, we said we're not, there isn't any Bijan Robinson in this class. There's no Jonathan Taylor in this class. But there's certainly going to be backs that could provide competition for Damian Pierce. And if it's not him, then Singletary. I, I can't remember his contract situation off the top of my head, but I assume Singletary will probably be back on a cheap contract, even if he's not under contract. So uh, I don't really know what to do with Pierce. The, the ADP is plummeting. Uh, the value is plummeting. I don't think you can even get a second round pick for him right now. He no might be a future. He might be a future roster clogger, Dan. Yeah, it really feels that way. I, I I think he is if he's in Houston. Clearly not a good fit. And the problem I had was it felt like Houston lied to us all preseason throughout the offseason, really. And we they talked about how Pierce was going to be a full time tailback, first, second, and third down. We thought he had the potential to catch some passes out of the backfield there with a young quarterback. And all the all the signs were pointing to him being maybe even a riser in dynasty throughout the early part of the season, but that couldn't happen when he's averaging 2.1 yards a carry in week two and 2.2 yards a carry on 14 attempts in week three In week four, Matt, he got 24 carries for 81 yards. That was easily his best game of the season without a touchdown. That is, he never finished better than running back 15 in fantasy. He had an RB 15 and an RB 16 finish. The rest of his year was littered with RB37, RB44, RB46. I agree with you. I I, I think he's headed towards roster clogger. But if there's anybody that we're going to talk about uh, in this segment here that needs a change of scenery, it's Damian Pierce. He needs a new start in an offense uh, where he, he he's not running outside zones because that's yeah. simply yeah, not, not his strength. Good. Not as That is a, a singletary uh, strength. And it showed. Um, we mentioned the stat line for Jonathan Taylor on Saturday night in that same game. Damian Pierce didn't even get a touch in the backfield. He he was relegated to special teams duties. So I'll be watching closely. I would buy him if he's cheap enough. His September or his December ADP, um, RB thirty five. Way down there at RB thirty five, Matt. So and I expect that to go down in January. I wouldn't be surprised if it's closer to forty two, forty three. And I would be willing to give a third round pick for Damian Pierce and hope he finds a new home, even though he's on that rookie contract. Singletary's contract is a one-year deal, so he may resign. It wouldn't be surprising. I think you're onto something that maybe Houston could add a second or third round running back and add to their offense that way, though. Um, it's scary with Damian Pierce. Well, we always talk about backfilling our roster with these, you know, backup running backs. And if Damian Pierce becomes a true backup running back, a true handcuff somewhere, he's going to be more talented than most of the the players in that category. So it could still work out for him. It could still pay off. You know, we might be looking at like a a window kind of player instead of somebody we thought that maybe we could plug in every week as a flex or a running back too. But I think I think at some point in the future, Pierce will still have uh, some productive games for us. I'm going to flip it over to the wide receiver position here, Matt, and go with Marquise Brown. And and I called him Marquise because you, you can't be called Hollywood if you don't have a, a wide receiver one finish in a single week all season long. And I know he was out without Kyler. I know that offense really struggled, particularly early in the season before Kyler returned. But it was a struggle just to get Hollywood or Marquise to double-digit fantasy points in PPR leagues even. In fact, he only had six games where he reached double digits. So many games where it was one catch for 28 yards or two catches for 18 yards on his game log. And, and it was to the point, Matt, that you couldn't even put him in your lineup. 
he struggled so much in the middle of the season. And even when Kyler came back, it was clear that uh, he wasn't the same old Hollywood. He was just Marquise. His contract's up as well in the desert. He's going to find a new home. All, all the all the uh, news out of Arizona is that he's not expected back. So on and off the injured list, just 51 catches for 574 yards uh, and four touchdowns on 101 targets. How, how do you feel about Hollywood if you had him on a roster and you were hoping you know, maybe he can be a wide receiver three moving forward? That That's kind of the high end of what you could be thinking right now, right? Yeah, I mean, you definitely want to, don't want to put him in the category of every week starter for a fantasy team. But I, I still think he's a good player. You know, this this time in Arizona, he I don't think he outside of a handful of games it, it, when both he were both he and Kyler were healthy. You know, it's not sure we got the perfect picture of what that combination could have been between he being out and struggling with injury and Kyler being out. So uh, I still have faith in the player, but I mean we're going to have to see where he lands. Cause like you said, he's probably not coming back to Arizona. He's probably going to want too much money. He's probably going to get paid a decent amount if he, if he yeah. does hit the open market. Um, so, you know, if he ends up in, in a, across from a, another, another great receiver in a good situation, then I don't think he's dead by any means, but um, he's definitely not somebody that I'm going to call cash anymore. I think he's, I think he's still a stash. I'm not going to the trash category. Uh, quite yet, but uh, it's definitely trending that direction. I read a tweet this week that the expectation is for him to get a a three to four year contract and and yeah. to see ten to fifteen million dollars a year on that deal. Yeah. You know, when I, when you think about potential landing spots, you know, you everybody wants to say, well, what if the Chiefs find the money and and he ends up with Mahomes, and what if what if he lands here or there? The truth is most likely it's going to be a place like Carolina who needs help and has a quarterback that needs to take a big step forward. That's going to be willing to give that kind of contract to a guy like Brown. And if that happens, I don't know if I'd be leaning on him for even wide receiver three, or at least consistent wide receiver three, wide receiver three production moving forward. He feels like a flex guy and there's a lot of murkiness to his fantasy value this off season. If you had to choose a, a quarterback, Matt, that had a lost season, who would that be for you? How about one that only had one good quarter of football in all of, all of the 2023 season? Oh, That'd be Daniel Jones. I mean, uh, yeah, like, I mean, I forget who they even played in that game, but uh, one game he had like his entire fantasy season basically in that one, that one fourth quarter. Uh, and outside of that, just a complete disaster from every stretch of the. Let's play a quick work. game, Matt. What was what was higher? Or low? I'll play higher or lower. You you guess. Okay. What was Daniel Jones's highest single week quarterback finish in fantasy scoring? Not counting that at one the position or at, at a position. Uh, yeah. What was his best finish? QB eleven. It was better than that. QB seven. Better than that. Oh, he must have had a really good game that one game. Well, it was QB four, hot better. He was was he the quarterback one in that one game? He was Dan? the quarterback one in week two <laughs> against uh, the Arizona Cardinals, and the, the Cardinals, Cardinals had their troubles. Yeah. Right yep. now, now yep. let's flip it to his second best finish. What was his second best finish? And for those listening, there he started six games for the Giants. 
28. Oh, it was a little better than that. It was 24. <laughs> so he started those six games. One was a quarterback one finish. Then quarterback 28 in week one, 31 in week three, 24 in week four. That was his best, his second best finish. 26 in week five. And then he came back in week nine and played a game against Las Vegas. Quarterback 30 that week. That He ended he ended that one early too with the re-aggravation of the injury. So missed a lot of time and played just those six games. His ADP right now in single quarterback. I think, did you have single quarterback up here? QB yeah. 27, 227 overall. You joked before the show that I'm not sure if, if people are taking him even that high. According to ADP, they are, but in single quarterback, that that's pretty early to take a guy like Daniel Jones, who's really his his upside, his ultimate potential was shown last year when he barely put up numbers to be like the QB 11 on the year, back end quarterback one. There's a lot of questions in New York under center, and I don't I don't want Jones as even my QB two in a super flex league right now. You're you're. Uh... Hold on, let me make sure I got the right. Yeah, you're gonna be surprised here because I just I just pulled it up. Uh in December Superflex, he's also quarterback 27 at 100, 103 overall. Who are so, the guys below I mean, him, Matt? Below him and super in superflex below him are Jamison Williams, Raheem Mostar, Jahan Dotson. How about I mean quarterbacks though? Oh, quarterbacks. Uh let's see. Derek Carr, uh Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Desmond Ritter. <laughs> I think I'm going to Carr Rogers over him at this point. It, are we to that point he, where he needs to go down even a couple clicks? Rogers for sure. I'm not sure about Carr. Uh, Derek. But man, like you, he, he has to. He he has to regain some value, right? He's got the humongous contract. He has the rushing upside. We saw him be successful with Brian Dable. Like, is he a buy or is it just too scary to even go there at quarterback 27 price in super flex in super flex leagues where you need to super flex? You gotta, you gotta give a second for him, right? You gotta, you gotta pay a second in super flex to, to go get him. And man, I, that, that seems like a steep price to pay. Um, he has too high of a cap hit next year, 47 million. If they were trying to get out, they can't get out from underneath that, even in after next season a huge cap hit. So I I don't know if they can, or, or his dead cap is, excuse me, 69 million this next season. So they're not getting out from under it. After that, it's 22 million in 2025. That's too much. He, he's going to be the starting quarterback for the giants and Dable's going to be back. I guess if you have him on your roster, it's probably, he's probably a hold. So you can try to muster some more value out of him because I don't think anybody's given a second for him. And I, I'm certainly not paying it. Just above him is a quarterback 26 is Kenny Pickett. I kind of want, I think I kind of want Jones over Pickett. Oh, I, I think I'd take Pickett. It, I it know was, you would. You know, I'm a Pickett. <laughs> uh, how about a tight end? I'll throw a tight end out there. I'm going to stick with the Giants. It's, it's Darren Waller for me. And he, you know, he's an older guy. Um, he played 11 games had three tight end one finishes only hit double digits in PPR four times in those 11 weeks. And that includes a 10.1 effort point effort versus the Rams in week 17 Waller came in with those high expectations and Matt, I fell for it. I saw the highlights from training camp and the preseason and him and Daniel Jones, buddy, buddy, and 
him catching all those passes in the middle of the field in that preseason game. And I thought, man, they're going to unlock Waller once and for all. He could have overall tight end one finish. But now we stare at Darren Waller as kind of another lost season, right? And a, and a guy who we're not going to be able to depend on moving forward. He's he's too old to to really have any ultimate upside. Thirty one years old, and um, after this season where he he wasn't a, a total bust week in and week out, he had those couple of games. But if you look at him. Uh, as an over from from a from a thousand foot away perspective, the 500 yards receiving, the single touchdown that he caught—that's not what we wanted. Now he's too old to take any step forward. He's the tight end 18 right now. Entered the season as the tight end seven. Darren Waller—he he might hit the dynasty graveyard, buddy. Gosh, I, I did too, Dan. I bit in. I bit so hard on this one. I I, I went hard in the trade market in the in the off season. He just saw it coming together. A team that has really no wide receivers to speak of outside of. I really like Wandale Robinson. You know, Darius Slay has had his moments, but really, like this is a it's a scenario where a tight end had an opportunity to really take a huge target share. And between his injuries and Daniel Jones's injuries and the lack of effectiveness of the entire offense. Uh, most of the season like it just didn't come together like in some ways I mean again I got to look at contracts and stuff like that um, but I feel like he's probably coming back I feel like Jones is probably going to come back they're going to try this experiment again uh, and I might buy in again at, at these cheaper prices at tight end 18 like I feel pretty comfortable with that price tag if I can get him for because he only costs a third round pick right now, you know, in tight end premium yeah. leagues, maybe a little bit more than that. Like I'm, I'm probably willing to take the risk again uh, at, at half, at half the price of the cost last season. Um, so I'm, I'm still, I don't know. I'm still optimistic that that might be, be foolhardy. Is there any other names worth mentioning here for lost seasons for dynasty managers? I think the most disappointing name on the list for me was probably Jahan Dotson. Uh, sure. Just, just like, I, I don't know. I had so much hope for him. I know we all did. We had him. Uh, we, I can't, I can remember numerous conversations last off season is why isn't this guy being ranked, you know, close to Christian Watson at the time, Traylon Burks and uh, some of these other second year wide receivers that we really liked. He played just as well as them. He started strong his rookie season with all those touchdowns. And then, you know, presumably getting a quarterback upgrade with Sam Howell coming in. And Sam Howell's season was, you know, from from a statistics standpoint, was pretty good, but he really spread the ball around. None of these guys had a dominant target share. Uh, Jahan Dotson finished with a 14% target share uh, on the season, which is just not good enough for really even wide receiver three level performance. Uh, even Terry McLaurin was only at 22%, which is very low for a team's uh, wide receiver one. So just a very spread out offense. Curtis Samuel came in at 16%, so he out-targeted uh, Jahan Dotson. Uh, if I, I don't have it pulled up, but I, if I had to guess, I would guess Logan, Logan Thomas is probably close to that too. So just disappointing all around. The talent we think is still there probably, but he was not involved in this offense at all, uh, despite being on uh, running routes on um, uh, 86% of the routes this season, only 1% behind McLaurin, but obviously a much worse season than McLaurin even put up. 
completely agree. He has to be high on the list of lost seasons. Still, still a guy one on my roster and a guy that I think could turn the corner with some changes in Washington, but uh, a down season to say the least. Other guys we we could have mentioned here: Ramondre Stevenson, injuries, lack of production early in the season before a relatively nice spike in the middle of the year before the injury. Um, but ultimately a bad season for Ramondre. Jerry Judy, another guy. We could have mentioned Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. Um, everything that uh, is being done late in the year by Joe Flacco is kind of tarnishing Joe or that Deshaun Watson uh, contract for sure and his play most definitely. And then Greg Dulcich, another tight end we could have mentioned as well. Let's get to the fun of the episode, Matt. We're going to introduce this rookie report. It's time for the Rookie Report. Matt, we wanted to start off with a big name. A, a, a name that even the most casual ca- college football fan would probably know. The most casual draft Nick uh, who, who's just getting into things would know. That's Drake May, quarterback from UNC. Uh, currently 14th overall in single quarterback ranks. The quarterback two behind only Caleb Williams. Matt, he's... He's an elite prospect at at the quarterback position, a guy that I really enjoy watching for sure. His ability to uh, put throws on receivers outside the numbers and anticipate open openings in zone defenses in particular are the things that get me excited. All the things that I've always I've always said about quarterbacks, the anticipation to make throws into windows that don't exist when the ball's being released, that suddenly appear when the ball is getting there. Drake May has those throws on the reel. Those are the types of throws that I love to see. And when you see a college quarterback make those throws relatively consistently, that that points to elite upside for me with that with that arm strength and throwing power. When you watch Drake May, what's the thing that pops off the screen for you? Uh, well, I'm not nearly as high as you are right off, so we might have our first argument. <laughs> <laughs> right okay. off the bat with our first rookie, but he does do some things very well. I mean, start off with just look at him. He looks like an NFL quarterback at 6'4, 230. He's got the prototypical size. He has a cannon for the arm. And I wrote down that he has a cannon for an arm with the occasional, and that to me is very important that word, occasional accuracy of a sniper rifle. Because when he puts it on the receivers downfield, it is a it is a really beautiful thing to watch. Yeah. But most of those plays are coming. From the pocket, he plays really well in structure, and he's shown the ability to make off-platform throws outside of structure, but I really do think his game breaks down a little bit when he gets moved uh, out of the pocket. Um, the, the other thing that I really like is, is it seems like he has a, I need to watch more, but it seems like he has a very quick process or he goes through his reads really quickly and makes a decision quickly of where he wants to go with that ball. It's just sometimes that decision of where he, the decision that he makes is not necessarily the ideal one. Yeah, I think the thing that you said there that uh, that I like, that the second point I was going to make is that, that he goes through those reads, right? He moves from left to right quickly and then uh, makes his decision quickly. What you, what you said about standing in the pocket, um, there are times when, when he's off platform and makes throws that the ball gets away from him from time to time. Mm-hmm. When he has correct mechanics and squares his hips, drives through the ball and makes a throw, whether it be short or down the field that that uh that accuracy 
he, he can weaponize it. it I mean, yeah. it, it it's deadly. I, I like the word you word you use there: sniper rifle accuracy at times. Even twenty or twenty-five down yards down the field on a deep over going across the field. The problem you mentioned there is when he gets pushed outside the pocket and has to make plays outside a structure. That's when that footwork gets kind of messy, and he opens up those hits hips and tends to sail passes. Those, yep. those problem areas, those will show up if you watch complete games of Drake May. Yep. And while that's probably the thing that slows you down on calling him an elite prospect, and I understand that, I think there's enough plays where he makes those throws outside of the pocket uh, on second reaction type plays that are eye-opening that make you say, oh, it's in there. That gives me, maybe it's hope, maybe the correct word is hope. Um, but I like to see, I'd like to say it's potential to improve in that area and become more of a, of a dual threat passer of the football, both inside the pocket and outside the pocket. I think you're going to see a lot of people, at least stylistically comp him to Justin Herbert, but yeah, that's the common one. I've heard that one. He is not, he is not Justin Herbert from an accuracy standpoint, uh, or as a runner, I don't think. I think he can. He is quick enough to be an effective runner at the NFL level, but he's not going to be – I mean, I guess Justin Herbert isn't either, but I think that's something we've always thought could be a part of Herbert's game, and I'm not sure we're going to ever really see any kind of consistent uh, rushing uh, performance from Drake May at the NFL level. Um, I think going over to the negative side, Dan, uh, like, like, like I said, that word occasional is really important because I think that accuracy – really at every level of the field is kind of inconsistent. You see uh, sometimes on anticipation throws, like comebacks, like he's late with the ball. Sometimes he's, he's like you said, when when that footwork is bad. Yeah. He hesitates. And then sometimes, like you said, when he opens up those hits, he throws the, it's it's, it's way over the guy's head. You see him Mm -hmm. overthrown screen passes, which is not a good, not a good sign when you're overthrowing screen passes Uh, on slants. You see him throw the ball behind the receiver when he should be hitting him in stride. I've seen him lead the receivers out of bounds. Uh, I really like that he aggressively attacks the middle of the field often, but sometimes it seems like he doesn't even see that underneath defender. <laughs> and that's, I mean, he doesn't have a high interception rate. The only, I think, nine last season. But there are yeah. some of those throws where you he just does not see that defender. And then lastly, uh, I wanted to put out there some stats I found over at PFF. Uh, on target percentage, he was 104 out of 125 qualifying quarterbacks this season. Dead last among the top 15 quarterback prospects in this class. And then another concerning thing for me, which was a big thing about Will Levis last year for me, which was that he takes sacks on nearly 20%, 19.6% of pressure dropbacks, which, which was about 78 out of 125 last season. Um, so, I mean, there's some things to be concerned about, but like you said, the, the, the ceiling, if he corrects the, the mechanics, if uh, he corrects some of the decision-making, all, all the, all the physical talent in the world, all to, to, to be an elite NFL kind of quarterback, he's just got to work out those kind of details, I think. And it's all pocket stuff. Most of his, um, production is going to come from the pocket. He does make the occasional play with his arm outside of the pocket and does have enough athleticism to make, make plays with his legs when necessary. He had a few runs on his highlight reel that make you think maybe there, there's some untapped potential there when needed, but it's all about the arm strength. The other negative, Matt, I don't know if you saw it, but I saw it like three or four times. I only watched, I think I watched four full games of, of Drake May. 
but I saw it three, at least three times where he'd get some pressure inside the pocket and his eyes would drop as you see, like Mm -hmm. most college quarterbacks do. And he'd almost, almost trip himself up like with such anxiety to try to find the lane to get outside the pocket. I think twice he took sacks where he simply tripped himself up in the middle of a, of of a well-formed pocket fell down and that turns into a sack. And another time he ran into the back of a, a, of a offensive lineman when there was a clear escape hatch for him out to the left. So I think there's some anxiety about those sacks that he does take and he tries to flush himself out of the pocket and tends to like cross his legs over or chop his feet and fall over. So that's a weird one for me, but seeing it more than once that that wasn't a good sign for me. I wrote it down early, um, saw it a couple times and then didn't see it in the last couple games that I watched. So, so maybe that was just a few times that it happened in his final season at UNC. When you look at his draft pedigree and what we expect uh, there, most most draft boards have him as an elite prospect. We're expecting him to go, if not in the top five, certain, or in, if not in the top three, certainly in the top five. Uh, most expect him to be the second quarterback off the board, but some seem to think he could he could push Caleb Williams to be the number one quarterback in this draft class. If he gets that kind of draft capital, Matt, how do you see him going, especially in superflex leagues, when our drafts roll around? I mean, he's going to be a top three pick, I think, you know, unless he just lands. I mean, what happens if he goes in New England at three? I mean, that's a scary landing spot. It it could revitalize, maybe maybe have a new coach. coach. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, if he doesn't see that as an okay landing spot by the time the draft comes, it's a little scary now, but I think there's a good chance that there's enough changes there that, that people see that as a positive. I could be wrong though. I mean, if he doesn't go, so the draft order, if you guys aren't looking at it like I am, Washington is two. If he does, if, if he gets past Washington, if he gets past Washington and New England, he's not going to Arizona. He's not going to the Chargers. He's probably maybe I don't know. Is he going to the Giants? He's going in the maybe, top three. Maybe, okay. He's but going so in the like if, so some if not somebody's moving up to get him. So like right. he's he's gonna have the draft capital. He's it's just. Man, the weapons in New England, brutal. If he goes to Washington, I'll probably be pretty excited, I think. Herbert is a is an upside comp. Yes. For sure. Absolutely. That, that's where his ultimate upside probably lands, and I can see that. I, I don't hate that comp because there were people when Herbert was coming out that didn't think he could even be this good. So no, I, totally. I think that so I think it's fair to put his ultimate potential up in that range. And that is a top five dynasty quarterback, really. He, you wouldn't be surprised if Herbert became that at some point. So if you're going to compare May to him, that's his ultimate upside. Most likely, we're looking at a very solid NFL starting quarterback uh, that, that has um, a good arm, great po- pocket presence, and the ability to deliver the ball on time with anticipation but most likely doesn't have that elite upside with his legs that can cr- unlock QB one finishes for seasons. Um, his, his upside may land in the, in the QB five range. Is that enough to use a top three pick in a super flex draft, Matt? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It is. Okay. That's uh, where you, I any kind of any, anywhere in like the top 10 to 15 quarterbacks, I would say is probably worth using 
uh, a pick that high, unless there's just a player at another position that you like the most. Uh, I just, and Dan, I just, I just feel like his play from the pocket is so strong. I just want to, from terms of what I want to see from him. I want him to see it to, instead of, instead of getting flushed out like that. And, and, and I mean, look, I, th- I think he's overconfident in his arm talent, which is, which is fine. Ooh. Like I like, I'd rather, I'd rather you be a, a gunslinger, have that kind of mentality than have to like coach some aggressiveness into him. But that's the stuff that gets him in trouble. If he could throw the ball away from the pocket and then use the times, if you see him take some massive hits in the pocket and still deliver the ball yeah. downfield, those are the things he needs to do. Stay in the pocket, and if he if he doesn't have anything, anything, just throw it away. You know, like don't don't get out there and play hero ball like Zach Wilson used to do. Like that's that's the the death going to be the death for Drake May, I think. I really like Drake May. I think he's going to be a great NFL quarterback. Like he's a guy that I want on my dynasty team for sure. I wish I had him in the leagues where I, uh, where I'm playing Debbie. Let's uh, jump over to the wide receiver position. We went down the board a little bit. We went to Johnny Wilson from Florida state uh, only ranked by a couple of us who rank rookies over here at DLF. Johnny Wilson is an intriguing player for sure, Matt. You got a chance to watch him. This week, what are your initial thoughts on Johnny Wilson and his upside? Well, I'll say that uh, I haven't really started my this is these are really the first three rookies that I've started my kind of like typical offseason rookie process with. I've watched a little bit of highlights here and there from different players um, like the quarter main quarterbacks and things like that. For the, but for in terms of like studying these guys, it's really started with this three. So I'm, the most shocking thing for me after I watched Johnny Wilson was the, his his relatively kind of low ranking. Like I was really impressed with what I saw from Johnny Wilson. Okay. Like obviously the the thing that sticks out is the size 6'7235. I've I've loved those 6'7 Is he really 6'7? Like, I think, think he's at least 6'6. Six, six. Yeah, I, 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 sometimes I watch him I'm like he doesn't look that big. He might. Be I don't six, know, five, man. When he used what I watched the Clemson game and, and lining up against yeah, the Clemson quarterback, too. he like towered over those guys. Like it, like yeah, lining well, up at, at the line against those guys. Those guys look like men. I mean, they're probably like five, seven, five, eight, something like that. I would guess. Yeah. I, I know, looked up one of them. Head. I can't remember what number, but I had to look him up. I saw the same thing. And that guy's listed at five, nine. And if he's five, seven, I'd be surprised. So, so you know, th- there's a little bit of that, but I was just shocked that I, I wasn't f- very familiar with Johnny Wilson before turning it I on. I either. only watched three games and I, I came away the same way. I was impressed. I kind of like him a little bit. He, I mean, good luck jamming him at the line. Like there's no, there's Almost no jamming impossible. happening at the line. No, it's going to be impossible. You're going to have to play off of him. He's going to get a free release on, uh, if they want to play him as a big slot, he's going to have free release underneath uh, all day if he wants to. They don't have to play him there. There, he can definitely play outside. He's, he doesn't run super fast, but and his routes aren't like super crisp. But you know, he 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 gets separation whether it's vertically or off the ground sometimes. Um, so like that catch radius is just incredible. He skies, he snatches the ball in the air. The, the, I watched the Oklahoma game too, Dan. I don't know if you watched that one, but he yeah, makes this juice. He makes this shoestring catch off of the ground, yep. like which is not something that I would expect of a player to have that much bend and flexibility. Um, I expect the stuff balance. in the air and keep yeah. his balance. Right. Uh, the, the the game against Clemson we were just talking about, there was a sideline ball. I think it was the, on the left side where that ball was thrown so far out in front of him. Like it had to be a yard and a half, two yards out in front of him. And I don't know if there was another receiver in college football that could have made that play out that far in front of him. So, I mean, there's a lot, there's really a lot to like here. Uh, we can go, I can go deeper if you want, but let's, well, uh, let's talk about the rest of them. 
Yeah. Well, I really think, you know, you mentioned he's not super fast and, you know, he's certainly not twitchy at all, but his, his long legs make him a downfield threat, right? He can, he can cover ground so quickly. And then after the catch, the other thing that I really liked was he's so difficult to bring down. His legs are like tree trunks and defenders, especially small defenders just bounce right off of him. And he keeps so physical. He keeps moving you know, the size makes you think this guy could be an elite red zone threat, a guy who can go up and get it, right? Uh, you mentioned the the interior, uh, the slot play. He could be that big slot that just dominates in the middle of the field. Too, absolutely too big for a safety to guard, but too fast and, and almost too quick for any linebacker to cover either. Um, he's He's a joy to watch, honestly, and a guy that I need to move up my rankings because he's, his explosiveness... And his ability to like contort his body to make those catches like you were just talking about, make him enough of a prospect to even be a situational player uh, early in his career until he carves out that full-time role. I think he's expected to most likely be a mid to late round pick, but I wouldn't be surprised if he moves up draft boards throughout the pre-draft process here for a guy that I wasn't familiar with. I'm I'd be really happy if my favorite team ended up with, johnny wilson or if he ended up on my dynasty roster yeah we we really wanted to get into day two to get that day two capital um he's i I I just i think most of the reports i've read expect like fourth fourth round draft capital which which isn't a a killer by any means you know who was the you know who you, you know who it was the i think it was the first pick of day three in Gosh, I want to say like 2019 that I thought that I really liked and I have a little bit of shades of with them, which is scary, is Hakeem Butler. Okay. All right. That, like, I, I think was hoping he was you were going in a positive light there. That didn't really <laughs> I mean, that's the scary scenario. Because I I mean, I going back, I loved Hakeem Butler. I think we all did. But that just did not work out. Similar like, uh, you know, similar like uh, Bill, I think, I don't know if he was 6'5", six, 6'7", six, or 6'6", six, six, but he was definitely 6'5". He was in that 225, 230 kind of range. And he did similar things like the, the, on the positive side that, that Johnny Wilson did. Um, so we're going to so, have to see. Like these, these, these oddball ride receivers that are this tall often don't work out. So we're going to have to see how it goes. But I think everything I've seen so far, I, I like. I watched the three games as well. And if there was, if there was one negative that jumped off, and it, it's probably due to his height. It's, he doesn't have that fluency to get that separation. He relies on his size to, to really outmuscle defensive backs to get to the football. So his route running isn't crisp, as you mentioned. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't sink his hips and get out of that stem quickly enough to create that separation uh, consistently. So while against the zone, he has a little bit of a of uh, savvy to find that opening – in man coverage, he's going to have a hard time separating against more physical corners that he sees in the NFL. We'll see how that translates. You know, talking about him as a fantasy or a dynasty rookie pick, we're most likely looking at a round three upside. Um, it, it wouldn't be shocking if he got into round three of the NFL draft, if he landed uh, towards the back end of round two in our rookie drafts. But could you see him moving any higher than that, Matt? No, I think he's, I think his ceiling is probably that mid second, second round in our rookie drafts. 
Um, it, it just depends. It, it so much depends with a lot of these players, but I think especially him, if he goes to a, a team with a, I'm trying to think like a, a, a quarterback that's willing to to throw those kind of 50, 50 balls, willing to, to take a chance down field on, on someone like this, that has that huge catch radius. Maybe he's a T Higgins replacement. You know, if he lands well, in a situation thinking, like that. I was thinking, what if he lands in Tampa Bay as the Mike sure. Evans replacement? Sure. That is the I mean, and Baker gets the new contract. I could see them two hitting it yeah. off, and maybe Johnny Wilson steps into a role there. Somebody uh, the like last... that who's willing to YOLO, YOLO, throw the YOLO ball downfield. Right. Like if he gets into yeah. an offense with a quarterback like like Dak Prescott to see it throw it, like I need you to be open before I throw the ball, uh, kind of right. thing, then it, it's not going to work out. It's going to be a long, long run. Uh, last prospect we need to get to here. I wish Ryan was here because he's. this is I one know. of his guys. It's running back Ray Davis from Kentucky. Is he a bowling ball or is he an NFL draft prospect, Matt? <laughs> he's both. Uh, he's he's both. both, man. He's, 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 he, I, again, I, I have not looked at rookie rankings. I haven't looked at rookie if there's any rookie adp out there any other scouting ports or anything but after i watched ray davis i went back and looked to see how our dlf rankers feel about him and i was a little bit shocked to see him all the way down there whatever it is running back 11 because i really liked what i saw on tape and then there's definitely issues with this game in terms of his top speed and stuff like that but he's 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 got ideal size. He's like right in my wheelhouse, that 5'10", 215, 220 back. That's like my favorite size frame of back. He's thick. He's yeah. he, he he initiates contact. He finishes every run he's on. He, he's caught 29 balls the last two seasons. So he's got the size and he catch passes, Dan. You know, that it doesn't take a whole lot more for me than that. Yeah, his his skills in the passing game are are good, right? He's, he's real natural yeah. catching the ball. And he, he has the ability to catch and immediately turn the ball upfield and turn into mm -hmm. that almost like kick returner looking for space and then punishing finisher like he is as a runner between the tackles as well. You don't see these guys that are in the 220 range that are that smooth catching the football all that often. And so when we, we try to transfer his skill set and I would be surprised if he runs a sub four five forty at the combine or at his pro day. He's most likely going to be in the four five somewhere. That's yeah. that might hold hold the fantasy community back a little bit. But I could see NFL teams falling in love with Ray Davis and saying we can get this guy in the on day two of the draft, and he can be a, a potentially even a full time runner for us. It's rare that we watch a running back at this in this day and age, Matt, and we say. Is, is he a three down running back? And I think when you watch Ray Davis, you got to say he has the potential to be that. He definitely could be. And like, I mean, from his game standpoint, like the top speed, maybe a little bit of like, you know, he's not a super shifty back, but he has that, he has that dead leg stutter step that he makes people miss all the time with. Uh, he's going to have issues getting to the corner, I think, again, because of maybe because of that speed. But outside of the fact that he's an old prospect, he's going to be 25, uh, I think, yeah. in, when, when the, and somewhere in the middle of the season next year. He's had five years in, in college, uh, his eight, over 800 college uh, touches. Um, but, I mean, there's not a lot. Like, as far as, like, playing the running back position, like, everything, he does everything that you want, I think. Uh, so, and, and I've heard that this, again, first running back I've really watched in this class and everybody keeps saying that this is a down running back class. I understand that there might not be a Bijan, Jonathan Taylor, whatever level prospect, but if this guy has the running back 10 in most people's 
rankings right at this point of the season, I feel like I'm going to be pretty excited to watch these other top nine. Well, we mentioned his pass catching is a positive. I also think he's really good between the tackles. He doesn't have like Still that good. elite burst that those first three steps to just explode through the line. So I don't think he's going to make the big play. If he reminds me of anybody in the NFL, Matt, you can tell me what you think of this. I think he's a, a little bit, a slightly better version of Brian Robinson. That's what that's what I think of him with the commanders. He, and, you know, Not, because he can catch the ball smoothly like that. Robinson is yeah. good between the tackles, but doesn't have elite burst. He's never going to make that big play. I don't think Ray Davis is either, but he's certainly a guy that punishes tacklers, especially guys at the second and third level. And between the tackles, I don't think you want to get in his way because because of that bowling ball, like that mindset to to destroy tacklers down the field. Yeah, I could I could see that, but obviously not quite as big as as Robinson. I thought yeah. I thought about um, I thought about like Mark Ingram. Okay, man, that, that's kind of a, a savvy would... kind of a savvy runner that is physical. He can catch the ball. Uh, but doesn't have those elite kind of athleticism points that you necessarily look at. That's what jumped off the, the page to me, but I don't mind Brian Robinson. Again, a big back, but I don't think he, he he's not like huge. He's not going to be that true, like Derrick Henry or AJ Dillon back. He's not that big, but he, sub he six is foot. a, yeah, he's sub six foot. If he's five ten, I'd probably be surprised. And, I think the speed is going to keep him off the dynasty radar for a lot of dynasty managers until he gets drafted. And that's when he might get the capital because I could see an NFL team using him more than we expect. I'm, I'm excited about his upside. And, and if, like you said, if he's the RB 10 for a lot of folks out there, I'd love to see who the RB three, four and five are. Cause if it's better yeah. than Ray Davis, this class is not going to be as bad as, as most, uh, most have said I, it's going to be. I, I could see a scenario where he ends up like one of these. I'm trying to think about some other backs that we liked in this class that didn't get a whole lot of run, like um, like Chase Brown, for instance. If he ends up in a situation like that, how are we going to feel about him going into his second season if he has a Chase Brown like season? And at that point, he's you know turning 26. So like that, he needs to get in a place where he's going to get some run uh, as a rookie. I think for us to really value him as an asset. I think he has a very good chance of that. I, I really yeah. do feel like NFL teams are going to like him more than the fantasy uh, community will can like he, his skill set and what he can do. Can he get into day two? I think there's a chance Maybe. he could get into day two. And if he does, that's going to be huge for him. Even if he's a round four back uh, a pick though, I'd be excited about him. Even if, especially if he gets to round three of our rookie drafts. Um, yeah, I think he's sure. going to be a steal in that range. So that does it. That's three, our, our opening three uh, rookies in the rookie report, Drake May, Johnny Wilson, and Ray Davis. We'll be sure to get uh, Ryan's thoughts on Ray Davis the next time he gets in here because uh, he watched Ray Davis every single week as a Kentucky Wildcat fan. Sorry we couldn't get his thoughts on this episode. If you have thoughts on any of these guys, hit us up on Twitter, or as it's called X now. Uh, I'm at dmiler22. Get Matt at Matt Price FF. At the you can get uh, Ryan as well at RyanMC23. For Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.